I feel home again I could hear the city bells ring Whatever I would do No, there's no place like London This blessed plot This earth This realm This England and welcome everyone to FH Uniquely, where we highlight the scholarly, creative, religious, and athletic work of Fried Hardeman students, staff, and faculty. I'm your host, Professor Derek Spradlin. Uh, this podcast is operated by the students of FHU's chapter of Sigma Tau Delta, the International English Honor Society. Uh, I'm joined today by Brittany Hayes, an English major who just graduated this past year, a senior English major, Anna Bell, and two English professors, Dr. John McLaughlin and Dr. Margaret Payne. And these four have just recently returned to America after a span of time across the pond in England, their trip to England was part of Dr. McLaughlin's course on the Romantic Poets, which he taught this past spring semester. Uh, full disclosure, Brittany and Anne are members of Sigma Tau Delta, which is responsible for this podcast. And Anne has actually been on the other side of this microphone for a couple of our podcasts. And I'm a colleague of Drs. Payne and McLaughlin in the English department. So that being said, this probably won't be the most hardball interview in the history of podcasting. Uh, so you'll excuse me for one second here. While I sip some Yorkshire tea straight from Yorkshire, um, brought back by our guests today. Uh, Dr. McLaughlin, we'll start with you. Uh, first of all, uh, briefly summarize uh, the course for us, um, and then maybe talk about how a trip like this complements or augments the course, make some connections between what you do in the classroom and what you did on the trip. Uh, okay, so uh, my course is called Romantic poetry and prose, and it is a study of the writers from the British Romantic period, so the late 1700s up until about 1830. And uh, some of the main figures from this period that you might be familiar with are William Wordsworth and Samuel Taylor Coleridge, William Blake, John Keats, Percy Shelley, uh, Lord Byron, and on the prose front, um, novelists like Jane Austen and Mary Shelley uh, are working during this period. So our course this semester had um, a special focus on nature. Uh, one of the things that uh, the Romantics are best known for uh, is that uh, many of them wrote a lot about the natural world and about our relationship to the natural world. And so uh, I wanted to do a kind of ecological, eco-critical look uh, at uh, romantic poetry. And the trip was designed for us to visit some of the houses, the other sites associated with some of those particular writers, as well as to spend some time outdoors and uh, to engage with nature and do hiking and visit gardens and things like that. All right. Well, while we talk about the gardens and places you went, Brittany, uh, how about if you could briefly summarize what you all did on the trip, the, kind of your itinerary, places you went, things you saw? Well, we started out in London. And uh, I mean, London was impressive, but it was mostly just a big city. I mean, we did cool things there, but it was mostly just a big city. But after that, we went to um, Oxford and then York and then... The Peak District, we stayed in Hathersage, and then we went to the Lake District and stayed in Keswick for a while. And um, 
we started our trip in the more um, urban areas and then we gradually moved to the more rural areas and um, since I just heard about this nature part um, that was actually um, enlightening because we did spend a lot of time outside and being with nature and in nature and experiencing that and so that definitely complements the course. I guess we should say Anna and Brittany were not enrolled in the course, um, but they did go on the trip and we're recording this in the summertime and there aren't a whole lot of students around campus. So we grabbed the two students who went on the trip who were actually in town. Uh, so we don't have any of the students who are in the trip, uh, who are in the course, who went on the trip with us today. Uh, but Dr. Payne, you were working with two students on the trip who uh, were using the trip as part of uh, some engaged learning initiative projects that, uh, that they're involved with. Could you describe kind of their projects for us and how the trip augmented those? Yeah, we were very excited to have that opportunity because um, they were able to write their proposals and for their grants and part of their trips were covered. A good deal of their trip was covered. Um, it might not have been able to go otherwise, so that was incredible. But um, as, a, as a result, or to, to set that out, they wrote proposals for individual projects. And so we wrote three different proposals. Um, Molly was working on landscape and place and space. And so obviously that went along really well with the course, but she wasn't in the course. Um, but it went along well with the setup of, of the entire um, trip. Um, so we made arrangements to go to a couple of extra places to accommodate both of their projects. Um, and for her, we didn't need to go to as many extra places because we were really experiencing the places. Um, and it was just kind of built into the trip, both because of the concentration and because we were there. Um, Leah um, was working on an educator's documentary, um, potentially to use in the future when she becomes a teacher. She's also an education major as well as an English major. And so she set up interviews in a couple of places. One of those was at Dove Cottage. Um, which was Wordsworth home while he was doing the majority of his great writing. And um, she interviewed someone at um, Jane Austen's house at Chawton. Um, so got some really good interviews in those places. Um, they also arranged to go to Stratford-upon-Avon. Um, we also went to Beatrix Potter's house, which was a wonderful experience as well. So we went to some extra places in anticipation of them writing and putting together their documentaries. Okay. Well, since we're talking about the places you went again, uh, let's ask the students here uh, what some of your, just some of your favorite places were uh, that you got to see there. We'll start with you, Anna. Um, I really enjoyed Stourhead Gardens. It was, it was where we went right after London. It was uh, a big difference from where we had been. It was just, just different from anything that I'd ever, any place that I'd ever, ever been because it was just so much green and so many bright colors and it smelled really, really good. It's <laughs> a huge contrast from London. Yeah, it's huge contrast. Especially smell-wise. Yeah, and I mean, it was, it was a cloudy day and it was still one of the most beautiful days. Um, it rained on us and still, it didn't, you know, make it uh, unenjoyable um, but it was that was probably one of my favorite places and you could either stay on the the path or you can kind of venture off and kind of do your own thing which is what some of us did and 
we like trek through a field of cows, which that didn't smell good, but, <laughs> but, and, but even like off the path, it was, it was really beautiful and just discovering everything that was there. That was really nice. How about you, Brittany? I really liked the hiking. I had never actually been hiking before, but um, it is very exhilarating to climb to the top of very high places and look out over the beautiful landscape. And so we did a total of three hikes. Um, one of them, uh, Buttermere, the last one, was not really a like climb really high. It was more of a peaceful walk around a lake, but it was also fun. Um, but we, we hiked uh, Stanage Edge, which is the one featured in Pride and Prejudice. And then we hiked the Cat Bells one day while we were in Keswick. And just being able to be outdoors and with, with great people. And that was, that was definitely my favorite part. All right. So how did the places uh, where you went, uh, the things you saw, uh, how did these things kind of challenge or change or reinforce uh, your impressions of England and of London and of the English people? What do you think? They were a lot nicer than I thought they were going to be. In, particularly in London, because I've been to other big cities. I've been to Chicago and New York, and people are just, I mean, they're not necessarily mean. They're just, you know, they have where they're going, and they're, they're going to get there, whether they have to push you out of the way or not. But London was really nice. It was hectic, but also kind of laid back in, at times. Like, people still stop for tea. <laughs> and definitely in the more rural parts, it's a lot more calm than America, which I guess reinforced my view of the English people. It was very quaint everywhere we went. It was, it was, I don't know, it didn't seem real sometimes, like they just lived this way. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, it was, it was just very different from America. Not necessarily better, it's just different. Mm. All right. Well, uh, you mentioned stopping for tea. We're drinking tea right now. Uh, Dr. Payne, you're a bit of a tea connoisseur. Uh, so I'm assuming that you all had several cups of tea while you were there. Uh, how is English tea different than American tea? I mean, hot tea. Obviously, it's not iced tea. What was the, what was the best tea you had there? D describe, describe what they do as far as tea. The best thing was that it was everywhere. You could stop anywhere and have afternoon tea, and we were commenting on the, at Keswick, there was a grocery store that was kind of like a Kroger and Albertsons or something, and they had a little snack bar cafe area, and you could have afternoon tea, afternoon tea for two at the grocery store, you know, and so everywhere. That, that was wonderful. Is there a particular time that this is traditionally happening, or is it just whenever you find it? Now it's pretty much any time in the afternoon. I mean, they pretty much cut off at five, and, and restaurants would start serving dinner at that point, the, the evening meal at that point. Um, but traditionally, um, it would depend on your lifestyle. It would depend on you know if you had a working family or if you were you know royalty and that sort of thing. So it would change depending on that. So there is that span of time. Okay. 
Different. There are different kinds of afternoon tea. There you are. can get the full-blown afternoon tea, which includes which often, sandwiches. Which often would even include champagne if it were the full-blown, and that would also, also usually be later yeah. to have that full-blown. But yes, full-blown sandwiches, sweets and savories and scones and tea and then whatever else. But sometimes you could just get, you know, clotted cream and a scone and a cup of tea or Never a cup. <laughs> I ordered a cup of tea one time and I got a whole teapot, which was fine. But, but yeah, they generally bring you a teapot with your cup and with your cream and, or, or milk and with your sugar, usually cubes, and, and, um, and some extra water to pour into your teapot once you have, you know, already poured some out of it so that you can continue to brew your lovely teas. Lots of, lots of stuff on the table. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, what was the, the most surprising thing about England for you all, uh, individually for you all? Um, for me, this is not really, you know, scholarly at all, but their, their traffic system is fascinating to me. I mean, yes, they drive on the left side of the road, but also they have these gigantic double-decker buses that just careen through the streets. <laughs> Somehow, the drivers don't hit anyone. I mean, not that we see. We saw when we were there. They probably have hit people in the past, but they have roundabouts everywhere. And I don't know, that's just something that's... Our traffic system seems fairly calm compared to theirs. And so that was very surprising. And they're so used to it. People would just, they just walk in down the street and a huge bus just wishes by, by like three inches but not three phased, inches next to them not phased at all we're all like what we like pull our bodies to the <laughs> side to get out of the way <laughs> what was the best meal you had there mine was um when we went to the eagle and child in oxford i had this little i think it was a meat pie i mean I it was a meat pie it was a pie with meat in it but i don't know if that's what they called it but, um, and I had several meat pies over there, just because that's one of the things you get over there. And, but that was my favorite one. It was like a chicken and ham hock. It was really good. I liked it. I think my favorite meal was when we got back from the Stanage Edge hike. We were staying in Hathersage at the time, and we all, I think all of us who hiked, so the majority of the group, we all went to this Indian restaurant, this, this little bitty Indian restaurant, and there were only two people working there, and they served the best Indian food I've ever had. As far as I can tell, there are only two restaurants in Hatterstage to begin with. <laughs> and the Indian restaurant is delicious, so you never go. It's a very good restaurant. Pay that place a visit. Did you have anything food-wise over there uh, that you know, was completely unlike anything you'd ever had before here in America? You don't want to talk about that Marmite? Did you try that? I didn't have. Okay. I didn't try. I, I didn't try it, but I smelled it. Kristen, Kristen made lovely faces. <laughs> Kristen tried Marmite, right? It's That's Marmite. what it's called. Marmite. She tried it, and um, I just smelled it, but it was disgusting. What is it? it what is it? <laughs> it's a product that you put on toast. So you see it at breakfast, and it's kind of this yeast something. It's got, it's, it's pretty nasty. It's, 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 it's really an acquired bad. taste. It's an acquired. 
But I also had a, a steak pasty, which I grabbed on a whim at, I think it was at Starhead Gardens, actually. And a steak pasty? A steak yeah, pasty. That was the one you didn't like at Starhead. It, yes. It was, um, I mean, it was just like, you know, every other pastry that you can get at, you know, a donut shop. But instead of, you know, delicious fruit filling it had steak and some weird gooey stuff and probably some vegetables i don't know but it was not good and i paid four pounds for it and i was very disappointed but i ate the whole thing because i paid for it but it was not good so did you get that at the cafe at stand at, at uh Starhead, or did you get it down at the shop unfortunately i got it at the little shop yeah okay because i was going to say that was one of my favorite meals was at that cafe. Sorry. It's okay. Um, I had a, it was like an individual kind of chicken pot pie thing and it was so good. And it was fresh, um, new potatoes and what was the other vegetable that was in it? And then I had a salad. It was so good. And it was like real food. It did, the chicken obviously had not lived its entire life in a barn full of a million other chickens. You know, it had roamed about the English countryside picking <laughs> worms and things. It was, it was very good chicken. It was very good vegetable. It was so good. Yeah. So Sorry, Brittany. I'm glad you had a good meal. <laughs> so as teachers, uh, we've all seen this uh, a couple times uh, or more than a couple times. Uh, but trips like this, traveling abroad, can really be life-changing events uh, for students, reference points that, you know, you'll kind of come back to time and time again. Uh, for years and years from now. Um, why do you think that is? Uh, why is it, or what is it about travel uh, that makes such kind of a deep and lasting impression on us? I think it's the people you travel with. For me, mostly. I always end up just creating these super deep bonds with the people that I travel with. And I mean, it's always great to see new places, but being thrust into an environment that you're not familiar with, your brain just goes into overdrive trying to cope with all of the new things that you're experiencing and having good people to do that with is priceless. How many people went on the trip? 18. We had to count several times. (laughs) (laughs) It's always good to come back with the same number you left with. (laughs) We came back with everyone, didn't we? We did. Why else? What else do you think travel makes, or it just kind of means something so deep to us, uh, especially for young people when you go abroad? I guess experiencing someone else's lifestyle, like we were there for two weeks, and so you kind of just, like I've started drinking tea in the morning, and just the little things that people do that are different from the little things that you do, and just experiencing what makes home for other people and and that kind of experience like actually not just visiting you know a place and you know just reading about you know people that lived a long time ago and just seeing monuments that were built thousands of years or hundreds of years ago it's just living like they do and kind of really experiencing how they live so when we travel abroad, uh, there always seems to be moments of uh, little accidents or mishaps or you, know, you miss a train or, or whatever. Uh, and those always make for good stories once you come back. So did, did you all have any such little mishaps, you know, those funny little travel accidents that you laugh about later and you remember <laughs> about a decade later? 
We had one. We, uh, well, most of the, like, the students and who else? Missed the fosters. The so there was yes. the, seven, the seven students and then another family that came with us. We missed a train on our way to Hathersage? Is that where we were going? No, it was to Keswick. Oh, well. We missed the first train in a series of trains and it, it, it really wasn't our fault. This, this mean train woman told us we had to fill out our train logs, but wouldn't let us through the gate to do it on the train. So we had to stay behind and then we missed our train. But no one panicked. And I mean, we laughed about it when it happened because we knew we were going to be fine. And Dr. McLaughlin was waiting for us at the like two stops away. So <laughs> it wasn't a big deal, but we, it was it was memorable. That's for sure. All right, well, we'll go around the table for this one. If a friend uh, here in America who's never been to England uh, could visit only one place that you went to, uh, where would you recommend? Start with you, Anna. Mm. Well, it's hard to pick. Uh, probably Stourhead Gardens or, or Keswick or someplace like that where they can get out in nature. Yeah, I love the Lake District. Keswick is the town we stayed in, uh, in the Lake District, and it's a, it's a good base. You can jaunt out from there and see mountains and lakes, and it's a wonderful experience. Love it. I love the Lake District also, and I would probably tell a lot of people, you've got to go to the Lake District, but um, you ask about surprises. I was just floored by how much I loved Yorkshire, and the city of York, I thought, okay, well, we'll go there, we'll do our time, and then we'll get on with the good stuff. And I really wanted to stay in York. Um, the countryside was beautiful. We went, we, we took a bus ride over to the, a sea, town by the sea, Whitby, and saw lots of ruins and lots of castles and just lots of things on the countryside. But then York, there was just so much there. You know, you could have stayed several days in York and then several days in Yorkshire. And that would I was surprised at how much I enjoy York and Yorkshire. Uh, as the trip progressed, I, I thought, man, London is the best place. And then we got to Oxford, and I thought, <laughs> Oxford is the best place. We got to York, and York <laughs> was the best, best place. <laughs> I really liked everywhere that we stayed, but um, I think I would tell people to go to Keswick. I think that was my favorite place. And then York is a very close second. Uh, York was very fun. We stayed at Airbnbs. So it wasn't even, it wasn't like a hotel atmosphere. It was just like little houses or apartments. And so we, we like cooked a meal all together and that was fun. And, and we worshipped We together. did, yeah, in, in one of the Airbnbs. It was... We drew a crowd. It was beautiful. <laughs> and it was interesting because we were right next to the Minster. And so the bells were going off for part of that time. It was just, it was lovely. <laughs> Well, very good. All right, well, we'll come to a close today uh, with this question. Uh, what's something about Freed Hardman University that you wish more people knew about? Teachers that travel with us and are not afraid to be kind of weird and experience <laughs> new things with us. So explain in what ways they're weird. Let's <laughs> have some embarrassing I mean, stories. No. But I mean I've traveled with all three of you guys and it's that's not something I've ever experienced before being close to teachers like that. And 
I mean, and other students too, just traveling is, I think one of my favorite parts about Fried Hardman is just the opportunity to travel. Man, I want to say the same thing (laughs) because I've had a lot of uh, chances to go see things that I wouldn't have been able to just on my own and with people that really made it even better. Dr. Payne? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Basking in the greatness of your Yorkshire tea there. Yes, I am. English revelry. Dr. McLaughlin, what do you think? What's something about Fried Hardeman you wish more people knew about? It's a hard question to answer. Um, I, I think that we do a pretty good job of um, emphasizing uh, relationships, particularly relationships between students, and I think that's right. And I think you know the kinds of friendships uh, and relationships that students build that can last a long, long time. I think that's one of the things that we do really well here. But um, you know, we have some really good students too, um, some some really very bright, um, hardworking people who are interested in learning, who love to learn. We've got two of them sitting at this table, and um, I appreciate them, and I appreciate all of those students that I get a chance to travel with and, and do things with in the classroom. All right. Well, Brittany Hayes, Annabelle, John McLaughlin, Margaret Payne, thank you for joining us today, and thank you to our listeners for making us part of your day, and be sure to stay tuned for our next episode of FH Uniquely.